1: Hey, Good morning. This is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with my co-host and managing director of the Institute, Brent Macy, and welcome to this week's edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio.
2: Brent, good morning. Good morning, Doug. How are you?
1: I'm great, thanks. Ready for some college football
2: this weekend? Yeah, I, I sure am. I sure am. I'll be I'll be on the couch watching. No, <laughs> no uh, live in person games this week for me. But uh, what about you, Ohio State Buckeyes? Who do they have?
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, they got Virginia Tech on. They got the Saturday night game at eight o'clock. So I'll be on Penn State. Oh, again,
2: prime so. time. Huh? <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, well, we we got a great program today, uh, and we appreciate all of our listeners out there joining us uh, this week. Uh, we're gonna kick out ta- uh, talking with uh, Bob Patience, uh, Prudential, uh, about this changing voluntary benefit world. Not just the impact of exchanges, but the you know the impact coming from uh, full replacement programs, and really a lot of innovation out there in the voluntary supplemental health world as well. Mm-hmm. And then we follow Brent with. Uh,
2: yeah, we got a uh, we got actually a very jam-packed program. We've got Steve Adams. He is the uh, CEO of Nevera. and what Steve's really going to talk about the, um, the title of his is what it takes to. Uh, Reward for or recap reward for voluntary benefits, and so it's going to take along the same theme as the first uh, segment here and really focus on um, voluntary benefits. And then, following Steve, will be uh, Teresa O'Keefe, the CEO and co founder of My Body Count. And, and what Teresa is really going to talk about is a uh, consumer health score and she's actually my body count actually has a white paper out that's very interesting was reading it here um prior to the program that's uh titled a new approach to population health management in private exchanges and she'll touch touch on that among other things so a great program um coming up for everybody today and uh hope you stay tuned for all these great guests and uh, again you know doug when we look at it voluntary benefits big part of uh healthcare consumerism and um obviously the connection between population health and exchanges, is very very, very big, big as well very
1: big very big i mean it's you know it's uh the whole compendium of care and uh you know providing plans of choice to uh, consumers so they can uh do the right thing and uh you know take care of their family whatever that family unit you know uh, looks like because it, it's all different and uh you know from health and wellness to as you said you know managing risk and managing lifestyle with a voluntary benefit supplemental health per, uh, portfolio tied into your major medical plans and then the whole emergence of uh good decision support tools you know i was reading an article earlier today um that came out <clears throat> talking about uh still the majority of employees do not appreciate their benefit plan. Mm -hmm. And the reason they don't appreciate it, they don't understand it. So as all these education and decision support tools come out, they're going to do a better job of helping employers and their brokers' advisors educate the employee population. What it went on to say is that, yeah, that's when employees really start to appreciate what they have, mm-hmm. you know, and what program they have.
2: So yeah, and one of the, you know, our second guest, Steve Adams, you know, the CEO of Nevera there, what what he's really, you know, the focus of the company, and, and I'll let him dive into more of this during the program. But they really provide automated education and decision support products that help individuals and their families navigate the new era of consumer driven healthcare. And that's, yep. you know, that's what we're talking about all day, every day, um, throughout all of our media properties and especially this radio program here today. And, uh, to everybody out there, um, it's, and it will be touched on in our final segment with the private exchanges and the total population health management piece, um, with Teresa, but the, the one thing there is we do have privatehealthcareexchanges.com we did do an update to that there's 165 private exchanges out there so again uh, as we do every week if you um type in all caps IHC radio uh, you will get discounts to either the the monthly or the uh, yearly subscription there. IHC Radio, all caps. So, and you uh, know,
1: you know, send us your feedback too. You know, we have just put a new user interface up there, and we'd appreciate uh, the market's feedback on what we're doing. Yep. PrivateHealthCareExchanges dot com, mm-hmm. and you know, we're pretty excited right now too to, uh, uh, you know, formally announce uh, our superstars and innovators and. Uh, you will see that come up on our website at the end of this month it'll come out in our (coughs) major annual uh superstars and innovator issue and they'll be showcased at IHC Forum West but to all to any of our listeners out there that you know submitted nominations you know we can't thank you enough because this comes from you the community I mean our superstars and innovators is about the community getting involved with nominating and then it makes our lives at that the awards committee a lot easier and uh you know, we're pleased, you know, leading off some of the top awards is uh, our, our J.J. Robbins Senior Memorial Healthcare Consumerism Award, which really goes to recognize an individual not only that performs and excels as a leader within their company and within this industry, but within their community and their families as well. And, uh, you know, we're really pleased to recognize uh, Chet Burrell, who is the CEO of Care First out of Baltimore, a major blues out of Baltimore. Our top five CEO leadership awards, recognizing uh, individuals with outstanding leadership within their companies in the industry, is uh, Jeff Young at Evolution One, that uh, probably one of the most charismatic leaders that you'll meet in this industry. Doing a great job, and we we all know what's happened with Evolution One being acquired by Wex and going to take that company uh, a lot higher. Uh, Jack Dami, who's the CEO of Atachi, uh, major employer out west very very uh innovative leader of consumerism initiatives within his organization and you know as we talk about on this program and throughout and at our events you know those benefit leaders within organizations need that ceo's buy-in you know without that it never happens the way it should happen and jack certainly is uh one of those leaders uh mike uh that's Elizio with A and I risk. Uh, easy for me to pronounce, right, Brent? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. But a uh, major broker um, uh, recognizing him, uh, Michael Bracken, uh, CEO of Medcom, a very innovative TPA out of the southeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kent uh, Greenwald, who is uh, chairman of the Foundation of Chiropractic Progress. Uh, uh, long-time advocate of, you know, where chiropractic fits as far as, you know, healthcare access and, uh, you know, quality of care, you know, to patients uh, being recognized, you know, for his involvement, you know. And 80 other awards that we have, Brent. I mean, you know, uh, the whole team at Kraft Foods is being recognized for their innovation around consumerism and employee benefit plan uh, initiatives.
2: And there's a lot of, you know, As Doug is talking here, you know, you hear a lot of the people who are kind of in the trenches, and and that's the, you know, from the CEO Leadership Award all the way down to, you know, what some brokers, consultants are doing and what TPAs are doing, and they're all in the trenches, and they're all trying to... To figure out, you know, what's best and better practices that they need to adopt, and they've adopted them, and that's why we're we're actually gonna we're gonna recognize them in our annual healthcare consumers and superstars award issue. That's gonna be published the first part of October, and then uh, we're gonna be recognizing these individuals at IHC Forum West, which is November. 10th through 12th in Las Vegas, and uh, we do still have that $99 Super Saver rate uh, available till Monday. So if you haven't signed up for that now, the rates are going to go up on Monday. So make sure you get the best price by signing up be- between today and Monday. And a lot of these names you're hearing, you will be elbow to elbow with them, yep. um, as Doug always says, you'll be belly to belly with them, and you're going to be able to learn from what they're doing and um, you know what they're what they've put in place. If, so if you've got a similar Employee population. If you're a broker who's got you know some some things that you're working on towards consumerism, if you're a TPA that might be maybe looking at the exchange marketplace and trying to figure out do I do I kind of play in this space? What's what's my role um, with emerging exchanges out there? You're going to learn all that information out there at ihc Forum West, uh, November 10th through 12th, and and we do have the final touches on the program. You go take a look at the program. Great program. We've got some great employers. Um, along with the other stakeholders in all these workshops in these general sessions, and so what our what our goal was to get get these end users along with solution providers engaged in this program because that 's what what it 's all about that 's how people learn and um, one thing that doug. We uh, did do as well as we did recognize some industry uh, innovators. And the industry innovators go from uh, Go Health, which is a, a private exchange company out of Chicago, which just became an affiliate member with the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism as of yesterday. So we thank you very much, GoHealth, for your support. Um, another one that just became an affiliate member is Amata Health. Amata Health is yeah. out on the West Coast, a great company doing some really good things around health and wellness and uh, diabetes specifically. And uh, so thank you, Amata Health, for becoming an affiliate member of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And if you're a solution provider out there uh, listening to the program as well, if you'd like to become an affiliate member of the Institute, we uh, welcome that conversation. It would align. Your brand, your executives, and your solutions with the concept of healthcare consumerism. Yep,
1: and you know some of the other innovators, Brent. Uh, that, that was a good overview. Is you know Connect Your Care, which uh, has been with us a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, our thank yous out out to them. HealthSpark, another innovative transparency player. Uh, good uh, affiliate member of ours, Carol Craft, uh, CEO of Select Account, mm-hmm. uh, leading HSA uh, provider. Uh, Pam Reynolds with uh, Task, one of the leading uh, innovative TPAs in the market, and uh, Veer Getaway, the CEO of Maxwell Health, very very innovative uh, mm-hmm. exchange player
2: uh, in this private exchange space. Yep, great, and and all of this again is going to be published in October, and then we do we do multiple things with the issue. It's going to be online on our website theihcc dot com, where you can um, go and view this issue digitally. We're actually. Jonathan uh, Field and his team are working hard on getting all these write-ups from, uh, from all these award winners so we can showcase them in the magazine. Um, it's a very well-read magazine. And, uh, you know, one of the things with the solution providers, I was talking to them sometimes yesterday, and, and you know, the marketing to get in front of some of these, these top-leading companies is pretty paramount if, um, you know, if people are looking to maybe win some of these companies uh, possibly in the new year. And uh, beyond to, to bring them on as customers, so there's opportunities for that as well, um, for everybody to do. Again, $99 super saver rate is uh, available between today and uh, Monday. I guess we would say midnight Pacific. Midnight on Monday. Yeah, midnight uh,
1: Pacific uh, yeah. time. So midnight we'll on Monday. And, and you know, Brent, to kind of kind of uh, finish up on superstars and innovators, that it is that you know we talk a lot about helping stimulate collaborations. And discussions to help our market build best or better practices and create innovation in this space. And that's what Superstar Thanderview is all about. It is it is eighty plus, you know, showcases of innovation and best and better practices that are being created by these companies and the individuals uh, within these companies. Mm-hmm.
2: Great, and uh, everybody, if you're just joining us right now, um, guests, just run through this really quick again. Got Bob Patience, Vice President, of Voluntary Benefits. For Prudential Insurance Group, he's going to be talking uh, with us about uh, voluntary benefits and the evolving marketplace, so that's going to be coming up here next. Uh, they got a white paper out on the ABCs of uh, voluntary benefits, and so I'm sure we're going to dive into that a little bit. Steve Adams, CEO of Nevera. Steve's topic is going to be what it takes to reap rewards for voluntary benefits, kind of sticking to the voluntary benefit theme. And closing out the show is going to be Teresa O'Keefe, CEO and founder of of my body count and she's going to be touching on her white paper that's titled a new approach to population health management and exchanges among other things so great program lined up for everybody and uh hope you um are able to stay tuned for for that again to kind of um go back on it ihc radio if you go to privatehealthcareexchange.com you're going to be able to get the uh the discount there it's um there's a monthly subscription, and there is a yearly subscription. Again, the the benefit of the yearly subscription to everybody out there is we update this all the time, and that market is absolutely exploding. So there's going to be updates. If you look at it now, uh, you got 165 in there, could have 265 by this time next year, if not more. Uh, Some of the studies out there that that you see is that 40 million people are going to be enrolling in private exchanges so that just gives you a feel for where that market is all right everybody about to uh, get rocking and rolling with the seg- uh, next segment stay tuned for this uh, next segment of healthcare consumers and radio Hey, everybody. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And you've heard us talk a lot about private healthcare exchanges on the program. For anyone who's interested in listening to this program now, visit privatehealthcareexchanges.com and enter promo code IHCRadio for special discounts on subscriptions to the site.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
3: Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director Brent Macy today at bmacy at the ihcc.com.
4: PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse privatehealthcareexchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com.
5: This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just
2: for you.
1: Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute of Healthcare Consumers, along with my co host Brent Mason. Welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumers Radio. And joining us uh, to talk about this ever changing voluntary benefit world is uh, Bob Patience, uh, Vice President of Voluntary Benefits at Prudential. Bob, good morning. Good morning. Hey, nice to have you on the program, and appreciate appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us.
6: Thank you very much, and, and I want to thank you for giving us the time. Whenever we have an opportunity to talk about uh, the financial well-being of, uh, of Americans, uh, we relish the opportunity, so I thank you.
1: You're, you're uh, most welcome. Uh, I think most people know Prudential, but give a brief uh, background and maybe update on your position in this space, and then let's get into talking about this changing voluntary benefits world.
6: Uh, yes, uh, I'm responsible for uh, developing and executing our strategy around uh, around voluntary benefits and around a concept we call uh, financial wellness. So, it, within that realm, uh, you you can think about uh, the products that we uh, that we deploy in the marketplace, as well as the educational materials and and, and supporting tools and so on that uh, that uh, that come along with uh, being a voluntary benefits uh, being a voluntary benefits player.
1: Bob I think you know financial wellness is so important you know people talk about stress management they talk about health and wellness but sometimes financial wellness is left over at the side and it's I think it's very core to the health and well-being of an employee population and their families and uh but talk to us about voluntary benefits and and its role in helping uh employees and their families you know become more financially well.
6: Uh, yeah and and that's a that's an outstanding lead. And, you know, one of the reasons uh, that, that voluntary benefits is that, that the growth is accelerating is an increased recognition by employers that as part of their overall wellness strategy, that financial wellness, how well people are protected from some key risks, is actually essential. A, you know, a, an employee in financial distress is going to be an employee who's certainly far less productive, and 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 employees have you know, they also have a paternalist. Many employers have a, have an, a you know a paternalistic interest in ensuring that their people are are protected. That's actually one of the drivers, one of the key drivers today for uh, the growth of, of mm-hmm. voluntary benefits. The, the The other interesting thing that is that, that is going on it's kind of a longer term trend, but but you could put it in the in the category of competition, and it really takes. Two forms. So employers uh, face competition from from two different perspectives. One is is certainly the, the regular marketplace competition, mm-hmm. which, which you know across the swath of the American economy is extraordinarily competitive. That's put that puts pressure on costs, including benefit costs. And so voluntary benefits are are, are a very good way to to actually offer a robust uh, benefit package while keeping those costs in check. The other Set of competition is the competition for talent. Yep. Uh, you need very good people to be able to execute your strategies, and and part of the calculation that employees do or, or prospective employees do to stay or to or to uh, or to move to a company is is what does the benefits package look like? It allows employers to to enhance the benefits package while. Uh, while uh, keeping their eye on uh, on the cost of it, so it's it's kind of a perfect storm uh, that's going on. I do think over time. That the, uh, that the focus on financial wellness as a critical component of overall wellness will continue to grow in prominence and continue to give uh, kind of give wind to the back of, of the growth of, uh, of voluntary benefits. You know, we believe uh, very strongly based on our research and based on our analyses of, of some of the populations that we ensure that there are absolutely enormous gaps uh, in protection from some key risks and that's that 's really the promise of of voluntary benefits uh, mm-hmm. it 's not really about hawking product, it's more about identifying those gaps and, and meeting those needs, and, and those needs are not shrinking. They're they're continuing to grow in a number of areas, and that's why voluntary benefits become so prominent in terms of uh, in, in terms of the marketplace and in terms of uh, you know helping employees. At the end of the day, the issue is helping employees um, get protection from uh, from some of those key risks.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, well said, and I think you know the you know the couple points you made from an employer's perspective. I think the the retention aspect is going to become ever ever so important, and where voluntary benefits can play a role. I mean, we've got a skilled work, workforce shortage in this country, and as the employment rate kind of clears itself out, it's, that's becoming more uh, much more evident. Uh, let's talk about the broker community, because I mean. There's been worksite brokers out there for years, and so, but group health brokers and other brokers, I mean, their world's changing in front of their eyes, and some of them have never, you know, really effectively looked at voluntary. What should brokers uh, know about this expanding voluntary market?
6: Uh, the the- and I agree. I agree that 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 that, that the market is, is evolving from one that was kind of a, a little niche and and specialized on mm-hmm. kind of uh, specialty brokers who focus almost exclusively on voluntary benefits to to one where voluntary benefits has penetration kind of across the broker spectrum, so to speak, to include, an, you know, especially, you know, traditional benefit brokers who traditionally focused on health and life and disability and so on are expanding their breadth. I think there's there's a couple of things that, that, that brokers can think about as the landscape changes. The first one really refers back to the discussion we had, which is understanding needs as the basis for, for the offering of voluntary benefits, understanding needs and gaps. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, Yay. That's actually where the opportunity lies—in I- identifying those needs and gaps, and, and then creating the solutions, both from a product perspective and a communication and education perspective, that, that that fill those gaps. So I think the challenge for for brokers is is to not to come at it from the product perspective, mm-hmm. but to come at it from the needs perspective, because that's really the the, the heart of the opportunity. Yep. And, and I see it—voluntary benefits—as the opportunity to to do well by doing good for for. For a broker, literally, you are performing a social good at the same time you're you're making a living, and yep. and, and I think there's real value, there's there's terrific value in that, and, you know, for brokers, and, and we do see a lot of traditional brokers who aren't there yet on on uh, on voluntary benefits because they don't necessarily have the depth of of knowledge about the needs that exist within the populations that, that, you know, on which they're consulting, um, but also because they they aren't as deep in the products as well. So so I think the challenge for them is to understand the needs and then the products that kind of uh, fit into and, and meet those needs, so to speak.
1: Yeah, that's well said, Bob. Um, and, and, and wouldn't you agree, too, that if, if a bro- as a broker looks at this, it's a excellent client retention tool, plus it, it can expand their revenue opportunities if, if they look at it and, and move forward the right way you know, to your points.
6: Yeah, I, yeah, there's absolutely no question about it. And the interesting thing is is our research, you know, we, we've we gone at the need from two perspectives. We've done external research, uh, which certainly validates the, the enormous gaps. And I think organizations like Life Insurance Marketing Research Association and, and so on have done similar research that show the gaps. But what we've also done is we've actually taken the data we have on existing clients and and, and run that through uh, some of our some of our modeling tools and, and identified gaps within specific mm-hmm. employee populations, and that's the opportunity for for, for brokers. That's their opportunity to, to deploy voluntary benefits to fill those gaps, and I, yeah. I, I would encourage them just to come at it from that from the gap need perspective. You create a much more compelling case. We've found in our discussions with employers that, that the story becomes much more compelling if you wrap it in the need, um, the real need. Then it, then it almost becomes, geez, I, you know, I really do need to help my employees. Get protected from that need because the, you know from from that risk because they're exposed. Yeah. And uh, and I think if brokers can think about it that think about it that way, they'll open more doors. And you're right, it it is a revenue opportunity. But again, I would couch it in: you can do well by doing good.
1: Yeah. Hey Bob, uh, me, I don't want to get too far off into product, but I, I do have a couple questions. I mean, in my experience, disability, both short term and long term, is probably one of the most misunderstood benefits. Would you agree with that? One of the, one that can, can cover that gap that most people don't really recognize unless you uh, do a proper job of educating them.
6: We would we would absolutely agree. In fact, our research shows some, some interesting things. Uh, first of all, our research shows exactly what you said, which is that people do not, you know, the layperson uh, out there, the employee, doesn't necessarily understand what disability insurance even is, yeah. um, what it protects you against. Uh, so and and our research shows that very very clearly. You know, we did a lot of research around life and disability, and what it showed on life was that they understood the benefit very well. They didn't necessarily know how much they needed, but they got that they needed protection. On disability, they don't even understand what they're being protected against. So that's that's ripe opportunity for that's um, uh, actually ripe opportunity for education uh, and, and targeted education. I'd say the other thing is 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 actually interesting, which we found in some specific research is that is that how you position the product and what you call it actually matters so if Hmm. you think about disability for what it really is which is paycheck protection that's actually a message that that um, that resonates with employees they kind of understand that okay I understand that if I lose my paycheck this is going to protect me against right. that, you know, that possibility. Um, rather than disability insurance, most people they say, "Well, that's not going to happen to me, so I don't right. need to really worry about that." To the extent that they understand it at all, but but I, I, I think the lift in terms of education and communication is much heavier on the disability side than for a product say like like life insurance and even some of the you know the ancillary health products. People intuitively get gaps in healthcare care coverage or, or gaps because of unexpected medical events, they don't intuitively get disability partially because of the way we've positioned it, but partially because it ne- hasn't necessarily always been communicated and communicated and the education hasn't been there in terms of, of helping them to kind uh, of get uh, to, to get it, so to speak.
1: Yeah, you talk about that a lot, the education role. And so the broker, that education responsibility, the broker, what's the carrier's responsibility around education?
6: First of all, I'd say education is education is the key. Um, you know, if if you believe like like, like we do that there's there's an, ar- an array of unmet needs, the first thing you need to do is to help people understand what those needs you know, that they actually have a gap. In terms of the carrier, there's a several things that that, that carriers can, can can actually do. Um, the one one of them is is to get to kind of the untapped place, so to speak, where, where one of the biggest deltas is, and that's around life events. So people's needs change as, as their life circumstances change. So a person who, who, who was just had a, you know, a woman who just had a baby and a you know, family adding a child, that's a significant life event. Their life insurance needs just change. Their disability needs change. Their, their, their health care needs yeah, yeah. just change. So I think carriers, because they often have the, the, the data that, that's attached to those events, um, can be very helpful in in working with the employer to communicate in places where we don't have communication today. People will key into, and our research shows you now people will understand um, their needs much better around a life event than they would kind of at a random at some random point uh, during the year. So I think that's a, that's. Something that carriers can help with. The other thing is that carriers can actually help, and, and we've created some tools to do this in identifying those gaps. I talked a good bit about, you know, the key here is that is that we understand where the gaps and the needs are. Uh, you know, carriers have the data that they can that, that they can analyze to say, listen, here's your population, uh, Mr. and Ms. employer, and here are where the gaps lie. And I think I, I think that that carriers can play an important role there. Um, in, in kind of laying out here's who's adequately covered and here who's not and then what that does is it leads you to a communication and education strategy it's more targeted than you otherwise would. So so the days of the dear employee and everybody gets the same message, I think, are starting to wane and people kind of understand as benefits becomes a little bit more retailized, for lack of a better word, in terms of communication, that you need to target your messages to different populations because those different populations have very different needs. I wouldn't communicate to a, to a 60-year-old about life insurance the same way I would to a to a, a 30-year-old who just got married. And I think that's a role, in, in, you know, that, that, that carriers can play, is working with employers and working with producers to generate the educational materials that will kind of help people to understand their needs in their own context, not in some general context that's, that's generically applicable to an entire employee population. Hey,
1: Bob, that... I, I hate to, do it. you know, time, you know, we had, we had time to talk. It, It's great discussion, and I, uh, I want to personally invite you back to another segment because there's a lot to talk about. We haven't even talked about the impact of exchanges. This has been very, very uh, thought provoking and, and a very good segment. And I really sincerely want to, you know, thank you for taking the time out of your day and joining us. And uh, so we'll invite you back on, and we'll talk about exchanges and other things on a future
2: program.
6: Sounds great. Thank thank you again for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Thank you, Bob, very much. And to our audience, stay tuned for the next segment Healthcare hey, Consumers everybody. Radio. Brent
2: Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again. I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 super saver rates now available. Visit our website, theihcc.com, to register.
4: Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry, download our certification overview, and learn more at www.thew.com. IHCC.com. That's www.theihcc.com.
5: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute of Healthcare Consumerism, along with co-host Brent Macy, Managing Director, and welcome back to this segment Healthcare Healthcare and Radio. And again, we want to thank Bob at Prudential for the segment on voluntary benefits, which leads in very well to this next segment where we're talking about the importance of education and communication and decision support around voluntary benefits and, and where technology uh, plays a key role. And joining us to lead that discussion is Steve Adams, CEO of Nevera. Steve, good morning.
7: Good morning to you guys.
1: Hey, appreciate you taking time out of your day and joining us. Give uh, give our audience a little background on uh, Nevera, please.
7: Yeah, so Nevera is a software company, and we provide uh, – Education and decision support software that's designed to enable employees and consumers alike to select the best health care and the best voluntary benefits that'll meet their needs um, and to do that through a self service format online.
1: Yeah, you talk a lot, you talk a little bit about uh, this changing workforce out there, and uh, you know, we were just talking about that on the uh, last segment, and particularly, you know you know, the technology-oriented workers that are out in the workforce. So talk about the 24-7, you know, capabilities the solutions like yours can
0: provide.
7: Right. So one of the things I think that we need to be clear about in the benefit space is we've talked a lot about uh, self-service over the last few years. But to be honest, we maybe have disappointed our uh, consumers a little bit because we simply often move paper-based forms to a digital format and made it online and said, okay, there's your digital forms. They're online 24-7. That's self-service. That's really not self-service from a retail perspective. So when I think we think about the diversity of the new user set, we have to start treating them as uh, consumers, not employees necessarily. And by that, I mean... They come to uh, the web with a set of expectations that have been shaped by their retail experiences, and there's no reason why we can't deliver the same type of first-class customer experience that they're used to when they're buying all other kinds of retail products. And that begins with access and convenience. Um, So that's not only 24-7, but making sure that the content is easily consumable, that they can navigate through it. Uh,
2: fairly quickly, Steve. This is Brent. Um, a lot of things, you know. There's a term out there we've been hearing a lot. Is it's called the consumerization of healthcare, and um, you know, I hear a lot of of that of what you're talking about here. And when you look at the the voluntary benefits space, w- in your opinion, what's the what is the benefit um, of offering voluntary benefits to the workforce? Um, I think the
7: fundamental benefit of the voluntary benefits is to Uh, provide gaps in coverage for the products that they've had for a long time. And, in fact, one of the things that we think is critical moving forward in the world of this consumerization is that people start to look at their benefits as a portfolio of benefits. Mm -hmm. And so the beauty of voluntary benefits is to understand how they would work alongside your traditional medical benefit to to provide the most complete and the most cost-effective coverage. And I think that's what voluntary benefits do. to help fill those
2: gaps. Yeah. And it's one of those, you know, we talk about it all the time. If you look at voluntary benefits, it was probably one of the most, or probably the first consumer-oriented product because in most cases, you as the employee actually had to go outside of your major medical plan and choose that, go shop for that piece, you know, outside of the major medical plan. And so you're... Your solutions there are helping, helping in that process. Is that correct?
7: That is correct. So if you look at the history of, of medical, uh, the employer made the fundamental decisions about what plan or plans sometimes were available to you. You had a limited set of choices, and you got a little bit of education. People understood medical reasonably well. But when it came to voluntary benefits, The employee, not the employer, as you said, has to make the decision, but now they don't have the information, the context in order to make the best informed decision, so voluntary benefits really drove this need for a higher degree of education around the product, and now with things like moves from defined benefits to defined contribution models to private exchanges, to high deductible health plans, those voluntary benefits have become even more critical in filling those gaps, and the need for educating how they work uh, together with medical has become much more critical.
1: Steve, what what uh, what tools do you provide the employers to help them in this education and decision support process with their employees and their families?
7: So um, we do uh, animated software that's interactive. So Mm -hmm. one is we insist that, um, you know, for that real sort of consumer-oriented experience, it has to be interactive. And and we've uh, developed these education modules that are animated. We know that with the animation, it gives us the ability uh, to capture capitalize on certain perception activities of the brain, and so exaggerated items um, and pairing words and images together, um, and then taking an off and often putting a whimsical tone on some very difficult subject. Let's face it, a lot of these benefits are dealing with dismemberment, disability, death. I mean, these are very unpleasant subjects, cause a lot of anxiety. So that whimsy that we bring to the education of removes some of that anxiety and allows them to learn about it. And then the decision support um, is really making sure that we understand the profile of the user Mm -hmm. and map that profile to the plans that are uh, uh, available to them. Um, and then I'd say the last thing is, is and we're insistent that best practices, that education and decision support should be intimately uh, wed together. In other words, I should be making the decision at which my point of comprehension about a voluntary benefit is highest, and that's after I've just been educated on it.
1: All right. Are you offering this direct to employers, you offering it through brokers, carriers, a combination of how are you How are you going to market with this?
7: Well, you know our industry is, is uh, has its complexity in terms of go yeah. to market. So we do not. Uh, we don't. The one thing we don't do is we do not market directly to yeah. uh, employer groups. We go through channel partners, okay. uh, and our channel partners include carriers, but they also include uh, brokers. Mm-hmm. They include uh, third party administrators, yeah. uh, enrollment firms who've traditionally done this manually, uh, benefit enrollment technology companies, I've been admin systems. Uh, private exchanges. So we use all of those channels. to, and, and, and we serve as the front end to the enrollment and benefits administration process in almost every end.
1: So I would assume, too, that you're uh, following, tracking, talking to the emerging private exchange players.
7: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because we, we do believe, like most I think everybody believes there will be a movement there. We don't yep. know the exact timing of it. There's a three- to five-year uh, window here that um, there's a lot of debate about when it will sort of achieve its critical mass, but we, like uh, many people, believe that, in fact, it will. And in that exchange model, it's really going to be critical, because you, your HR person is not there, your enrollment specialist may not be there, your call center support may or may not be there, may be limited. So you might, as a consumer, purchase in that exchange, be a little bit on your own uh, to make the decisions. And so yep. we think this education and decision support software is absolutely critical. Uh, in that exchange environment,
2: Stephen, uh, the last minute of the program, kind of, kind of, leave our audience with one really good takeaway about what they should be looking at with your solution, and then uh, let them know how they can find you.
7: Yeah, so I think the most critical thing is to understand that in order to the world that we're moving toward and moving rapidly is the employee becoming the decision maker, and they need to have uh, access to a world class, customer focused. Self-service benefits enrollment experience, and that's what they need to insist on, regardless of what channel uh, the employer or the employee is accessing. A world-class customer-focused self-service benefits enrollment experience, and so we'd like to be uh, help anyone provide that, and we can be reached at uh, Navera n a v e r a dot
2: com. Steve, we thank you so much for joining us on the program. And, um, you know, if you'd like to join us at IHC Forum West, it's November 10th through 12th out in Las Vegas. Um, and hope you have a great weekend. To the, to the rest of our audience, we're going to be uh, moving on to the next segment of uh, Healthcare Consumerism. But, Steve, thank you again for your time and have a great weekend. Thanks,
7: guys. You enjoy the weekend as well.
2: All right. Everybody Thanks, stay Steve. tuned for the next segment of Healthcare <coughs> Consumerism Radio.
4: Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's Breaking News industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, annual publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook, free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com.
2: Hey, everybody, Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And it's that time again, I want to make you aware of IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th at the Red Rock Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We do have $99 super saver rates now available. Visit our
3: website, at theihcc.com to register. Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand, and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director Brent Macy today at bmacy at the ihcc.com.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
1: Hey, this is Doug Fields, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumers, along with my co-host Brent Macy, Managing Director. Welcome back to the segment of Healthcare Consumers Radio. And you know, joining us uh, is a very another very innovative company. I mean, there's a lot of innovation taking place in this space, and another example of that is uh, a company called My Body Count. And joining us to lead that discussion is their CEO and co-founder, Teresa O'Keefe. Teresa, good morning
5: good morning almost afternoon how are yeah, you
1: i'm great nice to talk to you uh and to our audience we go back with teresa teresa uh, you know has been in consumers in space for a while she was at connect to care for a while one of the leading uh, platforms in the space so good to talk to you again uh, yeah
5: and we're grateful to re-engage with the community after quietly executing for the last couple of years <laughs> so this is good timing and we appreciate the opportunity to talk to you
1: yeah tell you uh, yeah glad to have you talk to us exactly about i mean tell us what it is my body count. What exactly is my body count?
5: Okay. The My Body Count Health Score tells you what your body tells us about your health behaviors. So put another way, your body count is a numerical calculation of risk based on a specific panel of biomarkers hmm. that are largely impacted by your health behaviors. And those include diet, exercise, tobacco use, and medication adherence. So we're really focused on the biomarkers that reflect those behaviors. For sponsors of My Body Count, today that's employers and health plans, mm-hmm. we act as a health score bureau, connecting consumers to sponsors as they move between employers, health plans, and exchanges over their lifetime. So My Body Count is a clinical health score developed by researchers from Johns Hopkins, It's portable to consumers, and in the future, will be available direct to consumers through retail clinics and other consumer outlets. Our scores are architected to be web services, so we can be the intel inside other consumer and industry solutions, and uh, we invite everybody to check out their score on our website, mybodycount.com. So the score math is exposed, and there's an estimator tool where you can plug in the numbers if you know them.
1: What uh, um, spurred this idea, Teresa? I think it's outstanding. I mean, I, I see where you're going. Where, where did you uh, come
5: <laughs> yeah. up with this concept? Yeah, well, I got the idea from a combination of my experience at Connect Your Care uh-huh. and then working as a consultant in the incentive and health management industries. I saw the genesis of wellness with traditional coaching companies and other biometric screening solutions, and these were good solutions, but these solutions were not available in the direct-to-consumer market. And I developed a theory that if a product isn't in the direct-to-consumer market, if it can't stand on its own legs in the direct-to-consumer market, if it's not valuable and frictionless to the consumer, then it's a tough sell to obtain high levels of uptake in an employer benefit program. So we have an intense focus on the messaging around privacy and value to the consumer. That said, today we're going to market through corporate wellness programs and developing commercial products for health plans. But we're keeping a laser focus on the consumer user experience.
2: Teresa, as a as a consumer, you know why does this benefit me, and and will this be used to to de- deny insurance in some ways? Yeah,
5: thanks for asking that question. Uh, our health score provides a perpetual roadmap to good health. So today it can be used as a currency. And soon we'll be able to show consumers their health care costs in the future if they continue the path that we're on. We effectively plan to enable consumers to monetize their health. And regarding the denial of insurance or underwriting, when health care reform is fully implemented as it's written or intended, you theoretically cannot be denied insurance or charged more right. in any marketplace. And if it's repealed or parts of it are repealed, well, the insurance industry, as well as the entire healthcare care industry, has spent the last seven to eight years going through the machinations of implementing health care reform, and it would go into a tailspin. So the healthcare care industry, along with HHS, wrote Obamacare, and dismantling it effectively goes up against the entire health industry. Mm-hmm. Now, when but you look- uh, regardless of policy, health plans already know a lot about consumers. If you just take a look at pharmacy transactions, information about consumers is readily known. Um, regarding employers, we don't give employers PHI,
3: mm-hmm. only
5: aggregate reporting. We can conduct non-discriminating outcomes-based programs and not disclose PHI, and I'll talk about those in a minute. But... The PBMs and the industry already has lots of information, and mm-hmm. I tell people to go to IntelliScript because if you want to see what in- health plans already know about you, yeah. they already know all of your prescription <laughs> information for the last ten plus years. So uh, that's a very good indicator of the types of conditions that you have or health health challenges.
2: Now, Teresa, how, if I'm an employer out there, you know how can I use my Body Count in my wellness program that I offer? And and how is My Body Count taking wellness kind of to the next level with what you're doing?
5: Well, we have a philosophy that each person needs to find their own path to their well being and employers facilitate this through work life balance policies that enable people to minimize the stress in their lives like flexible schedules and provide my body count as a measure of health. The start to a best practice program involves a My Body Count screening and a participation incentive to an account. I'm giving a little plug to CDH world there, (laughs) a wellness account that employees use for whatever they want, whether it be swimming pool fees or triathlon fees or even a sleep monitoring device like Sense, Mm -hmm. which I think is awesome. We're just starting to crack the nut on how much sleep affects our well-being. But all of these solutions are the choice of the consumer. Um, and, and I think that health plans, I'm, I'm sorry, employers can offer weight loss programs, smoking cessation, et cetera, but for the rest of the community that's already taking care of themselves, um, let them have the opportunity to spend an incentive dollars on well-being types of activities. So we're collecting a um, suite of best practice local and national companies that are generally available to consumers directly, but um, as recommendations in our program if employers don't have those kinds of incentives.
2: Now when you look at um, so so to look at this, so the screening and the testing is necessary to get the score. And then what, what do you say to people that push back on on, let's say the hassle of getting their employee population screened or tested?
5: Well, I say that your blood doesn't lie. Seriously, (laughs) as we start rethinking what prevention means and as medicine evolves through the science of genetics and we start understanding more about personalized medicine, having a biometric screening a couple of times a year will become commonplace and have less friction for the consumer. Um, I can give you two examples why. Um, There was a recent article published about Johns Hopkins cancer researchers called Spotting Cancer in a Vial of Blood. So you can Google it. Spotting cancer in a vial of blood. It speaks yeah. to breakthroughs being made to detect tumor DNA in yeah. a blood sample called a liquid biopsy. It's absolutely fascinating. So, think in the not too distant future. If there's a history of cancer in your family, you'll be able to have regular blood tests to detect it yeah. long before the symptoms arise. The second thing is that's happening in the industry is testing breakthroughs and testing methodologies where we can just use a drop of blood to get all of the biomarkers that we need. And there's a company out of Stanford that's doing a lot of uh, work in that area. Also, my colleagues at Hopkins work with researchers around the world, and I hear about testing through a hair, just a piece of your hair. So who knows? In wow. five years, maybe we can use a <laughs> hair from your arm and a drop of blood, and be able to get your body count and know a whole lot about you.
1: That's uh, pretty incredible. So, what are your current driving initiatives? What what's my uh, my body count up to right now?
5: Well, we've launched phase two of score development. Mm-hmm. We plan to come out with a consumer health score every twelve months or so, as science and testing technology evolves, and we can package more biomarkers that fit into the profile and reach a price point for the marketplace. We're collaborating with industry to produce different scores for different populations and usage. So we're leveraging our intellectual property and relationships to become a score factory of sorts. Hmm. So we're also planning betas with larger populations. So if there's any progressive employers out there that like what we're doing, please give us a shout. We're easy to get in touch with. Um, And we have a lot of news planned for this fall. So ultimately, we may come out with some pure consumer products like My Body Count for Women Mm -hmm. that includes things like vitamin D and calcium and biomarkers that really dig deeper into how our diets are affecting us but not necessarily reflect the general behaviors and the score that we we have now that's the general score. And we're opening up conversations with other institutions for collaboration on content, behavioral science, evidence-based medicine that helps consumers understand the factors that contribute to their behaviors and my body count.
2: Now, Teresa, um, we've got about two minutes left on the program. Touch on the, uh, the new white paper that you have out on uh, the new approach to population health management and private exchanges.
5: Yeah, well, um, the, some uh, smart people in the industry are suggesting <laughs> that we're moving into a real individual or quasi-individual market uh, through public and private exchanges. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been watching private exchanges closely now for about a year and um, they're seeming to make a lot of sense. Uh, all the big consultants have bet their business model on them, yeah. so you you can believe that they're, uh, they're pulling out all the stops to making them work. Um, but when you get into a private exchange situation, the relationships then change between the employer and the consumer. The consumer and the health plan get closer, and then there's a new relationship between the consumer and the exchange operator. And um, it's been said in, in the, the general community that population health um, then becomes a uh, a bit, a bit nebulous. I mean, consumers. I mean, I'm sorry. Employers still want high productivity out of their employees, so they have an interest in population health. But all of a sudden, the health plans, which you know, in the fully insured models, they're bearing more risk, and uh, the exchange operators can also serve uh, a purpose as far as population health and. Um, understanding the risk of the populations that are coming on board. So it's a fascinating case in Mm -hmm. healthcare economics, and we see a real opportunity to have a score being part of exchanges where ultimately health plans can uh, market to folks based on their body count and health score.
2: Now, Teresa, uh, as we close the segment, let our audience know how they can find you.
5: Yeah, well... um, MyBodyCount.com, but I'm available at Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A, at MyBodyCount.com, and uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn,
2: too. All right, Teresa. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Uh, To everybody out there, again, $99 Super Saver rate for IHC Forum West is going to be closing Monday at midnight, so make sure you take advantage of uh, the low rates. And, uh, thank you again, Teresa, and to everyone else. We will talk to you next weekend. or thank next, you. next See you Friday. in Baltimore. Yes, yeah, see it? you in Baltimore. Next, uh, we'll talk to everyone next Friday on Healthcare Consumers and Radio. Have a great weekend. Bye bye. Bye. Bye, Teresa.
5: This is America's Webradio.com. The best in chat radio designed just for you.